Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. At KPMG, our people make the difference. Combining the power of people and technology, we uncover brighter insights, innovate bolder solutions, and create better data-driven outcomes. KPMG, make the difference. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Tom Marvin, Senior Technical Editor here at BikeRadar.com and MBUK Magazine as well. Joining me today in the podcast studio is Oscar Huckle. He's one of our technical writers at Bike Radar. How's it going, Oscar? Yeah, not bad. How are you? I am A-OK, thank you. Uh, a little bit tired this morning, so I need a coffee, but I'll, uh, I'll wait till we're done in the studio. Uh, so before you started with us at Bike Radar, Oscar, you worked at Carbon Bike Repair down in Leatherhead in Surrey. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, and um, what do they do other than repair carbon bikes? <laughs> yeah, so the clues in the name. Um, so if you fracture uh, your carbon frame, they most likely can repair it for you um, and also restore the paint. So uh, the work looks like the, the damage never happened, Okay, which is uh, pretty good. Cool. And that kind of answers one of my questions later on in this podcast. Yeah. Um, but with your uh, with your expertise in, in carbon fibre, I thought today that we would... Uh, do a little bit of a deep dive into carbon fiber bikes. You know, what are they? How are they made? Uh, why would you have one? Can they be repaired? How do they break? Uh, and all those things. So if you have got a carbon fiber bike, maybe this is going to be of interest. Uh, and if you're looking at buying one, hopefully also it's going to be interesting for you. So um, we'll start off with the absolute basics. Why would you have or why would you buy a carbon fiber bike? What's the advantages? What are the disadvantages? So there's many reasons to buy um, a carbon bike. Um, so carbon naturally absorbs um, vibrations. So when you're riding, it offers a much more damped feel compared to aluminium. Mm-hmm. Um, or it can be engineered to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, I would say it, it does absorb vibrations better than, than, than uh, aluminium. Um, with carbon fiber, um, it allows you to, to create more interesting tube shapes. So for example, with um, aluminium or steel or titanium, um, because it's welded, you're generally kind of um, constrained to a more conventional frame mm-hmm. shape. So with carbon fiber, for example, you can engineer 
aerodynamic shapes um, into your frame. And while some brands have started to, to do that with with metal frames, um, it's more complicated and um, it's not really a benefit of um, of their respective materials. Okay. Uh, and what about some of the disadvantages of carbon fibre? Um, so one more advantage, oh. um, it's generally more lightweight um, okay. compared to aluminium or, or steel or titanium. Yeah. Um, so that's why you see most of the pros riding it. Right, okay. Um, because they can achieve a lower weight. Do, do they also get like stiffer frames or is it better for power transfer or anything like that? Or is that something that can be engineered in? Uh, yeah, it can be engineered in. So, for example, the pros will be riding frames that are lighter and stiffer, mm-hmm. and, and the frames have been engineered in that way for that reason, for the pros to ride. Okay. So we talk some disadvantages? Yeah. Um, so disadvantages um, are that it's more expensive than aluminium. Um, so that's why, um, well, typically carbon frames cost upwards. Uh, used to be kind of around the £1,000 mark, but now with all the um, shortages and... Uh, Inflation of bike prices, I'd say that's now around the £1,500 mark. Would you agree on that? Yeah, I guess for a, a sort of a premium frame. And there's always going to be companies who are able to get open source frames from yeah. from places and sell them a lot yeah. cheaper. But generally speaking, yeah, yeah I guess. And um, they can go um, upwards of five figures. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and um, with, well, a lot of people think that carbon um, is more... Um, brittle than aluminium or steel or titanium and to an extent that's true um, but the good thing about carbon is it can be repaired whereas with aluminium for example if you um, dent or break the frame then it's game over mm-hmm. it's time for a new bike okay uh, and as we've sort of explored i think we have done it on bike crowd in the past there's obviously a bit more of an environmental impact with a carbon frame they tend yeah. to be a little bit uh, more intensively uh well, less good for the environment. Yeah, I mean, they're much harder to recycle. Um, I think Specialised is actually looking at um, some sort of re- recycling facility, mm-hmm. um, and other brands are as well. Um, but, yeah, it's not really um, the best material to, to reuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, if you have a, an old carbon fibre frame, um, it, um, for example, my old company used to take um, frames in um to use them for experiments um, right. to, to try and um, craft new repairs or just play around with them, mm-hmm. which is good. Okay. Um, and some of these sort of, you know, pluses and minus, they they translate as well into the likes of wheels and, and handlebars and other carbon components. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So um, let's talk about how carbon fa- uh, fiber frames are actually made. Obviously, with a you know, aluminium or a steel frame, it's kind of fairly obvious you have some tubes and you weld them together on a jig uh, but the process for carbon fiber is slightly different yeah um, so there's different manufacturing techniques um, depending on the type of frame but typically a monocoque frame um, will be created in a mold what's a monocoque frame um, so where the frame is well people say it's one piece um, but the, there's a bit more to it um, that's compared to a lug design. So, for example, um, like the Conargo C68, where you've got different tubes that are mm-hmm. bonded together um, to, to create lugs. Okay. Um, so, um, with a more conventional carbon fibre frame, it's typically created in a mould. Um, so, typically, a um, y- you lay the carbon um, over a latex bladder, um, and that's inserted into like a cavity-shaped um, metal that, that's then blown up and heated mm-hmm. um, for, for for the most part. Um, things like dropouts, for example, um, 
their injection molded um, because they need to be much tougher um, to resist wear from where your skewer is, for example, um, and just to withstand the forces of of holding the wheel. So you can injection mold carbon fibre. Yeah, so that that's what dropouts are typically. Okay. Um, can you how they're created. describe how that? So you'd have a, a hollow mold, and then what? Like almost. So carbon a... fibre is typically mixed with resin and mold injected at a very high temperature. Right. Okay. Um, so, for example, if you ever damage your dropout um, on your bike, that's a much more expensive repair because it's more labour-intensive because right, it's a different okay. process to, like, a seat stay. So they're effectively like a solid piece of carbon fibre rather than a tube. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I've already touched on this, but um, uh, sometimes um, you've got tubes that are bonded together, like on lug designs. Mm-hmm. Um, but even on monocoque frames, um, for example, around the BB junction where the down tube, seat tube and stays meet it, mm-hmm. there'll typically be some sort of epoxy bond there um, because the BB is engineered for stiffness. Right, OK. Um, and um, things like the steerer tube um, are roll moulded. Um, so what that means um, is the sheets are rolled up really tightly um, over like an inner core. Um, so the best way to think about it is, is like a toilet roll, right? Um, the holder for it, um, and um, because of well, because of that process, um, if you fracture your um, or over tighten and then fracture your um, fork steerer tube, um, that's why you wouldn't really repair it because of the way it's been created. Right. Okay. So they're less repairable than a standard bit of. Well, frame. they're not repairable. Yeah. They're not repairable. That's right. it. I mean, some people will repair it, but it's not something that. Yeah. I'd advise or something that um, CBR ever repaired. Uh-huh. Okay. And um, I, I've been to the Hope factory where they make um, you know, the HB130 and the 160 and the 1916. And you see there like a big, big blocks of aluminium with like a half a frame cut out of it. And that's the mold into which they they lay by hand quite often, certainly in, in more bespoke companies, they they'll lay sheets of carbon fiber into that yeah and then what they'll put the bladder in there and, and that's called the layup so how does the layup impact on a bike and what would when when you see like oh the carbon fiber layup what are they talking about so do you mean in terms of the whole frame or, or different types of carbon uh i guess in terms of the frame you know when when we talk about the carbon layup of the frame what we what are we talking about there um so for example certain areas of the frame are engineered for stiffness mm-hmm. some are engineered to offer more flex um, so, for example, you'll quite often see um, frames or parts of frames be referred to as like low modulus or high modulus um, carbon. So, for example, high modulus is more expensive um, because it, it needs um, more energy. Um, it's a further process to manufacture that compared to low modulus carbon. Um, and that's why, for example, you'll see that used in the BB junction. Um, but even a frame that's claimed to be high modulus generally um, you would never have a frame that that's all one type of carbon or, or the other, um, because, for example, the the seat tube, for example, needs to be able to flex. Mm-hmm. And if you've got high modulus carbon there, then it's not going to offer much flex. Right. So that's why you use low modulus carbon there, for example. Okay. And do we see different thicknesses of you know? When, do they put more bits of carbon in some areas along a tube length? So if you're making a tube, would you have like I guess with butting on an aluminium, yeah. one, you'd have more at the ends and less in the middle. Yeah, generally. Um, although uh, it depends on the manufacturer. 
Um, so, for example, ultra lightweight frames will have thinner wall thicknesses, mm. and they try and expel um, more resin t- in order to achieve that weight. Okay, um, they're all different. So, let's talk about the materials that actually go into a carbon fiber frame. Obviously, carbon fiber and resin. But yeah, um, can you talk me through what like a pre-preg sheet of carbon is? Because that's a that's a term that comes up quite often. What's pre-preg carbon? So that means that it's got the resin in it already. So, so it's pre impregnated kind of carbon. Ready made almost. Okay. So that's a literally like a like a sheet of almost like paper. Yes, but it's been woven um in the relevant matrix with the resin um pre impregnated in it. Yeah. Great <laughs> <phrase>. <laughs> or pattern. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Um and this is made up of Carbon fibers, the natural cells, and resin. So, can you talk us through what the different, you know, like carbon fibers? You know, they're very strong. Are they very flexible? Like, so there's different types generally. Um, so, unidirectional is the most common one. Um, and what that means, it's quite simple. It means that all the carbon fibers are running in one direction, okay. parallel to one another. Um, that's the most common type. Um, it's often um, used, for example. Um, so, not all frames look aesthetically pleasing on on the inside. Mm. Um, or, or on the outside. So, for example, sometimes when you've got a bare carbon finish, you can see um, like lines or all the Joins weave. and things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but sometimes um, unidirectional um, carbon is used as a decorative feature. So you'll have um, something else below it, and then that's on top mm-hmm. um, for aesthetics. Um, and that's got- traditionally sort of like the, the, the very obviously woven crisscross pattern that... It's sort of synonymous with carbon fiber. Like a grid. Like a grid, yeah. Yeah, um, but you've also got plain weave um, where the fibers lace um, under and over each other at 90 degrees, and that's also a, a grid-like pattern. Okay. Um, and then also you've got uh, twill carbon, which is more flexible, um, and that's, for example, used on um, areas that that have um, different shapes where you need to get the carbon around the corner. So, for example, like a saddle for example yeah, yeah, yeah. or a complex tube shape uh-huh. life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches but there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour this episode is brought to you by State Farm you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. But that's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Okay, can you talk us about different? Is there differences in resins and things? Quite often, you see like, you know, bonded with with little micro particles inside and all that. The resin is what holds it all together and then sets when it's heated and and yeah. And then um, when you break your frame, for example, um, well, the the resin is is supposed to hold it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have like a more lightweight frame, um, manufacturers. It, 
in a controlled way try and remove as much material or, or resin as possible mm-hmm. um, once it's out of the mould to achieve that lighter weight but then you introduce other problems so because it's a thinner wall thickness uh-huh. um, it's more prone to puncturing or, or fracturing okay um, the other thing I sort of quite often see is uh, Torre, which I think is one of the few actual manufacturers of carbon fibres. Yeah. So you'll see it in um, press material for different bikes, you know, T1000 or T700. Yeah. Do you know it is is a bigger number better and why is it better? So all brands have their own way of categorising the, the carbon that's used. So, for example, on the subject of Torre, Pinarello use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think their lowest grade that they say they use is t- T600 uh-huh. um, on their cheaper bikes. And then, for example, the Dogma F12, I think, is now T11 or T1200. Okay. Um, it used to be T1100. They, they, they might have gone one digit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, basically, it means there's a higher concentration of high modulus carbon. Um, so, th- so the frame is generally going to be lighter, mm-hmm. um, stiffer, um, not necessarily more durable. Mm-hmm. Um, so having a better carbon frame isn't always the best thing. It depends on the type of riding you're doing. Right. And if you think about the pros, um, it, it doesn't matter if they break a bike or if they trash it after a season mm-hmm. because their, their sponsor will give them a new one. Yeah. Um, whereas for us, it's not really the case. Mere mortals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I think we've pretty well covered off what a carbon frame is, what it's made out of, and to some extent how it's made. Um, so let's talk about sort of maybe the... Uh, the more unhappy element of having yeah. a carbon fibre frame. What What is the main failure mode of carbon fibre? Do they Does it snap in half so you end up with two different bits or does it sort of maybe go a little bit bendy in the middle? Like, How do they generally fail? So it doesn't snap. Um, okay. g- generally, carbon will fracture. Um, uh-huh. So, um, But there's also other ways of it breaking. Um, so, for example, you can have delamination, um, which is where the tube may feel soft in certain places. Um so, for example, where there's a where, where there's quite a low wall thickness, like on a top tube, for example, mm-hmm. um, there's a reason why some brands have stickers on there saying "Do not sit," um, mm. because that can happen. I have um, been able to like. You can, there are some frames where you can just squeeze it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty mad. Yeah, um, carbon can also debond um, if it's used in conjunction with another material such as aluminium. So, for example, if you've got a aluminium dropout. Um, where the carbon fibre of the um, stay, for example, meets it, um, the aluminium can oxidise and then debond mm-hmm. and potentially also fracture. So that's another way it can fail. Um, and also, carbon's pretty rubbish with abrasion. So, for example, if you run a tyre that's too wide, um, it can rub on your um, on the inside of your mm-hmm. chainstay or seat stay and uh, eventually create a nice hole. Right. Um, and if it gets bad enough, that can then fracture. Uh-huh. So that there's many ways in which it can fail or, or be damaged. So when you say that um, at the start you said that you, you can't snap a carbon frame per se, is that when when you have that sort of, you know, we've all seen pictures of frames where it's gone very wobbly and where it you know, effectively looks like it has snapped. Yeah. Is that because the, the, the carbon fibres themselves are too strong to snap in a normal sort of crash, and but the, the resin sort of structurers given up at that point or um there needs to be some sort of reason for it failing mm-hmm. so for example an impact mm-hmm. um when you're riding um or if it's compressed um but generally it will fracture and then when you see as you refer to a carbon part being snapped um that's quite often the result of what was once a fracture and it's just grown bigger and then it's failed uh, okay cool 
And is there a way then of... Um, or if it's impacted, for example, if you get impacted by a car, yeah. because that's a high energy impact. Yeah, a car's like, stronger than a yeah. bit of carbon fiber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is there a way of um, checking, you know, if you've had a crash and it doesn't look particularly damaging or anything, oh, it'll be fine. Maybe pertinent with handlebars and, and, you know, the stays of the frame or whatever it is. Is there a way of checking whether you have damaged it or not? Yes, there is. Um, so um, you're best off sending it to a reputable specialist um, because they have the experience and the, the tools and, and the skill to check it. Um, so, um, I mean, if you have crashed when you're riding, then you could methodically go over the frame um, to see if you can ride home on it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're unsure if it's broken... Um, but then it's worth sending it off for a proper check. Um, so um, you can't really check a bike without it without it being fully stripped of all its components. Yeah. Um, because h- how you meant to look inside the tubes, or for example, in the races for the headset or the bottom bracket area. Um, some people um, I've seen uh, tap tubes with a coin. It's called the coin tap test. Okay. Um, it's pretty rubbish um, <laughs> because the um, tubes have varying wall thicknesses. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's going to sound different um, when you're doing that. Um, that test is quite often used on helicopter blades because okay. they tend to be one thickness and right, you can okay. then tell if it's uh, dull in one area but doesn't really work on uh, on bicycle frames. Um, some people, if they think they've got damage... Um, but they're not sure, they sand away the paint to check. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that's a big no-no. Okay. Um, because actually, um, as long as the paint is a manufactured finish, um, that's the best indicator of a fracture because it will crack like an eggshell. And right. that's a very good indicator. That there you, is some damage. Yeah. Um, so don't sand away your paint if you think you've got damage. Um, send an image of it to a specialist or mm-hmm. get someone to check it before you do that because... For example, if you sand away your paint and it isn't damaged, then all you've achieved <laughs> is taken away some paint for no reason, then yeah. you've got to pay for it to be restored or ride a, a frame with an ugly section on it. Yeah. Um, if your frame is um, custom sprayed, like with a rattle can or um, with one-pack paint, um, that makes identifying damage much more difficult mm-hmm. um, because um, manufactured paint finishes or two-pack paint cracks like an eggshell because it's got a hardener in it right um, whereas a, a one-pack paint won't do that and it's very very difficult to uh-huh. uh t- to check for damage on that but it is still possible okay um and um carbon fiber specialists will typically have equipment to check um the frames all over methodically for damage um so th- the best tool they have is their experience um they know what to look for um certain models for example might have flaws um, so they know where to check um, on them. Um, but beyond that, um, they will typically use um, microscopes, um, endoscopes, stress testing um, to check for damage mm-hmm. and occasionally thermography. One more thing I'd advise is to be wary if someone says that they can x-ray your frame for you. Okay. Um, because that's not really accurate and an x-ray wouldn't show um, delamination, for example. Hmm. Um, it it might show a fracture, but if there's a del- if there's delamination somewhere on the frame, an X-ray may well, likely won't show it. Right. Okay. So it's difficult to sort of if you if it's not obviously damaged, it's maybe quite difficult to do it from home. 
Yeah, you need to send it somewhere where they've got the tools. And Generally speaking, do you know what the cost of that is? Is it you know is it is it worth doing it with for a handlebar that's maybe one hundred and twenty quid, or um, just a frame that's maybe eight hundred quid plus? Yeah, I mean economics come into it. Um, so CBR um, charged anywhere from one hundred and forty four pounds to one hundred ninety two pounds okay. for a check. Um, the more expensive figure was um, if you wanted a formal report for insurance purposes, for example. Right, I see. Um, but for example, for components like forks or bars, it was a bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the bars were 120 quid, it's not worth, it's it. Not worth it. Yeah, okay. Um, we've also talked about, you know, an instance where there's quite likely to be some sort of damage, you know, after a crash or, you know, whatever it is. But does carbon fiber, you know, does it wear out? Does it sort of fatigue? What's the fatigue like? Um, not really. Um, as long as you don't impact it, um, then in theory, um, your carbon frame should ride the same in 20 years' time as, as it does when it's new. Okay. Um, the exception to that would be if there are um, aluminium parts of the frame um, that are bonded, like mm-hmm. I mentioned before. Like um, a dropout in there. Yeah. Um, and is that because there's always going to be some sort of flex within the system, and if there's two different materials, that the the flex is going to cause... They're just not very good bedfellows. Right. Um, and aluminium, mm-hmm. over time... Um, oxidizes um and then the carbon um kind of how it it kind of appears like it's swelling uh-huh. um and you can see like a like a crack where the where the join is mm-hmm. um and that's mechanical separation of the aluminium dropout from right. the carbon of the stay that it's inserted to, into okay one of the things that we see a lot now on on mountain bikes and we probably have done for the sort of well, for years now, but is, and is coming in more and more on road bikes or gravel bikes, is where there is flex engineered into the frame. So on a mountain bike, it's quite often on lightweight cross-country and, and down-country bikes, where instead of having a, a pivot near the rear axle, you now have flex stays. Um, they're designed to bend many, many times. It's how the whole bike works as such. It, how do they engineer a, you know, a tube that, you know, carbon fiber is seen as this stiff material, but they've made it so it's flexible. Is that a? How do they do it? If you know, <laughs> and also, uh, is there a, is there a more of a finite life on those tubes because they're designed to flex, or should they be as reliable as a normal tube? Yeah, they should be as reliable as a normal tube, um, as long as you don't impact it. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends. I mean, all the designs are different, so it's kind of a hard question to answer. Um, but with flex days, are some of them? Um, I think I've seen some where the where they're really quite narrow, aren't mm. they? Um, so I mean that, depending on the rest of the frame, um, that could be um, a potential point of failure. But I suppose brands are thinking about that when they're manufacturing the bike mm. um, to beef it up, and and they're probably um, stress testing it in when when it's in production or, mm-hmm. or development. And um, what was the other part of your question? Uh, is there a, more of a finite life for them? Um, I think I kind of answered that. No, not 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 really. Um, actually, on on the subject of stays, um, the seat tube's more important in terms of how comfort is generated. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think that dropped seat stays um, is how um, manufacturers engineer comfort, and yeah. even when manufacturers are talking about how they've improved their bike, they talk about drop seat stays. Mm. Um, but the seat tube's more important for that. Yeah. 
um, because if effectively the seat stays, they stay against the, the seat tube, which, yeah. is, which is flexing. They push into the seat yeah. tube, which bends, and they'll see the, yeah. the junction between the top tube and the seat tube is also yeah. important. And that's why, yeah, yeah. again, having them dropped yeah. means there's less. Yeah, although yeah. Um, dropped can also mean it's more um, aerodynamic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the seat tubes are more critical mm -hmm. parts. So for example, when you look at, I don't know, Trek's ISO speed design, which... Um, was engineered into the seat tube. That's a fantastic way of creating more comfort. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. Um, let's say the worst has happened and you do have uh, a broken bike. Can it be repaired, generally speaking, or what, to what extent can it be repaired, and how do they repair it? So is there a terminal failure or can everything be fixed? Uh, most things on a carbon fibre frame can be fixed, um, but if you've ever got damage, it's worth sending in a picture or video or taking your bike in to get it inspected first. Mm. Um, but um, I mentioned fork steerer tubes are uh, a no. Um, forks generally, um, some things can be repaired, um, but if they're fractured along the blade, for example, that's typically a no as well. Mm -hmm. um, again, economics come into it. Um, if, a, if a new fork is £300 and checking, repairing and restoring the paint on the fork is going to cost more than that then there's no point yeah um handlebars saddle rails um typically a no as well mm -hmm. um again for the same reason that it's more economical to buy a new nice. one yeah. um but yeah most things on a frame can, can be sorted okay so let's say you snap the top tube in a crash you just whack a bit of carbon around the outside of that and jobs are good or no <laughs> <laughs> okay no um so um how carbon is repaired um, generally is um, you'll grind away the damaged carbon um, and you want to try and grind away as little as possible because if you grind away too much then you start going into um, how the manufacturer have engineered that frame, um, sort the fracture, um, relay carbon um, there, making sure that it sticks to the properties of that frame um, so, for example, if it's a more expensive frame that uses a thinner wall thickness or a higher modulus carbon, then you need to make sure that you're sticking to, the, to those properties. So it needs okay. to be the same, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then um, once you've done that, you then profile the tube um, so it it's the same profile as it was before. Um, so, for example, if it's an aero tube um, that's not round, then you need to profile it, um, mould it into the same shape that it was before. Right, um, and um, then after that, the paint can be restored. So, so if you do have, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit simple. So you, you've you've cracked it, you've taken away the damaged fibers, and like let's say you've you've effectively got like a, a hole in in the in the tube. Is it a case of what like just slapping? It's not a case of slapping carbon over the top of that. Do you how how do you sort of do you interweave it back into the OG carbon or? Um, so you need. Everything's kind of different. Um, so it depends. Well, you need to work out how, how many layers are used there, mm -hmm. what type of carbon's used there, um, and then relay carbon that matches mm -hmm. that area to then bring it back to how it was before. So it's like a sticking plaster. Bit of a crude way of describing it, but kind of. Right, okay. And is the effect when it is repaired that you wouldn't know it's been repaired in theory? Exactly. So it will, there'll be no little ridge or little no, bump? Or... No, because it's profiled. Um, right. It will ride the same and it won't break. And um, most quality um, repair specialists will offer some sort of 
um, warranty on their work, mm-hmm. um, which is a a good thing. Okay. So nothing really to fear. No. Wow. Okay. Although, um, if it, if it's been impacted in a big crash and there's I don't know five or six areas of damage and the frame's worth two thousand pounds, then it's not worth it. Okay. So you've got to think about the. What, what are we talking for a typical repair for a single? It's tube? all different. Right. Um, okay. A few hundred quid. So CBR's prices started at one hundred and fifty plus oh, okay. VAT for the carbon work. Yeah. Upwards from there, depending on how big the job was. Sure. Then there's a paint price on top. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then there's a price to check. Um, the whole frame if you want that done so yeah. it's not cheap but it's cheaper in many um, instances than buying a new frame right cool okay um, the next question I have is would you buy a carbon fiber bike but I'm pretty sure you would yeah yeah so all of my bikes bar one are carbon fiber okay um, I really like the way it rides um, I find it dampens vibrations much much better than aluminium um, although whenever I jump on my aluminium bike it, it's quite a visceral thrilling ride mm-hmm. and that it offers um so no th- th- there's no reason why you shouldn't buy a carbon fiber bike okay. um and it can be repaired if you ever damage it yeah. within reason and depending on what happens to it next question though would you buy a second hand carbon bike um i'd be very very wary and okay. i'd want to check a lot on it before before buying one um so um you kind of want to check the obvious points that um, first. So, for example, the fork. Um, so, if you know that the fork's damaged, for example, and if it's on a part like the steerer where it can't be repaired, and you're going to have to factor in three, four hundred pounds for a new fork, then mm-hmm. that's a big sign that you probably shouldn't buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, start with checking the, the things that um, that are more prominent first. Um, it, um, it's a good job if the frame is clean before you give it a once over um, because then damage will show up easier um, the way in which the owners looked after the bike is an important thing because if, if it looks battered then mm-hmm. you know they haven't really taken care mm-hmm. um, of the frame for example um, but if you're unsure then, it, then I'd, I'd recommend sending it in to a specialist that can check it okay Presumably that would only happen once you bought it. So you need to work that with a seller, wouldn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and for example, if you're checking things like the steerer tube, then that might be a bit odd if you start taking the bike apart in front of them, yeah, checking yeah, yeah. it all. But um, yeah. maybe it's the thing if you're going to sell it, like a super high-end carbon frame, you know, get it checked before you sell get it. Get it checked and have yeah. that, you know, for the sake of two hundred quid, you yeah. might be able to sort of have a get a premium sort of second-hand value for your bike if you say, look, I've had it checked by one of yeah. these companies and it's legit. Yeah. But there were lots of frames that came in that um, people had bought and they bought blindly and mm. there was damage all over or it had a terrible respray job to cover damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to be really, really careful and know what you're looking for. Right, okay. Um, final little question, and you touched on it vaguely there, if someone hasn't looked after their carbon frame very well, how, do you, how would you look after a carbon frame to make sure that it's going to last as long as you want it to? Um, so... Like with components, keeping everything clean, so degreasing your, your drivetrain, um, looping it up, cleaning the frame. Um, because if it, if a frame is clean, you're more likely to spot any new damage because you get to know it when you're cleaning the bike mm. because you've cleaned the same areas many times. Mm. Um, if you've got a matte finish, for example, you could use a matte finish um, like detailing. Yeah, yeah um, it's not essential. Um, 
bike cleaner and, and a rag, I can do a good job mm. without using that. Um, and um, making sure that you use tyres that are suitable um, for the clearance, the mm-hmm. manufacturer states for your frame. Um, if you're going to put um, bike packing bags on, for example, um, then it's a good idea to tape put, some, put some tape there um, just to stop any... So kind of mitigating any uh, um, potential abrasion types of damage um, and um, servicing the bike regularly or taking it to a mechanic to be serviced mm-hmm. because they can also spot damage um, over time. So, for example, if you neglect to change your bottom bracket... Um, and it's threaded, for example, um, it could seize its way into the frame and then that's a, a job to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, there's, there's many things you can do, but just keep it clean, keep some servicing and um, get to know the frame so that if there is anything that, that looks different or odd, you know that it's yeah. that it's new. And what about when it comes to those maintenance? You know, I'm I'm pretty poor when it comes to mechanics and looking after bikes, so... I'm going to put a seat post in, just get some, just get some grease, whack it on and shove it in. And same with like headset bearings, but I, I do use, you know, carbon gripper paste in some places, you know, I've got a yeah. a bike at the moment where the seat post slips a lot. So that's got carbon gripper paste. A lot of my mountain bike has, uh, you know, the head tube has integrated bearing seats, you know, with cartridge bearings, but I still have to put grease on those. Is it okay to use a regular bike grease in a carbon frame or what should I be using? Uh, yeah, um, so for headset bearings, um, grease is good. Um, it's not going to sort of seep into the carbon and cause damage no, or nothing? No, um, and as you as you touched on, um, using carbon fibre grip whenever there's a carbon component involved is good. Cause carbon it reduces, carbon. Well, also carbon on alloy. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you've got an aluminium frame and using a carbon seat post, okay, yep. then you want to use carbon fibre grip, fibre grip on that as well. As opposed to grease? Yeah, because... Okay. because Anything carbon, carbon fiber grip, you need you need to use that. Uh-huh. Um, and um, make sure you use a torque wrench, um, so carbon doesn't like to be clamped. Um, if you over-tighten um, a bolt, then it could fracture. Mm-hmm. If you under-tighten a bolt on, for example, the seat post, um, the post could slip down the frame. And if it's got like an aero profile tube on the back of the seat tube, it could impact on that and cause a fracture there. Sure. So it's really, really critical to use a torque wrench. Cool. Okay. Um, I'm done with my questions, but is there anything else you'd want to add to the discussion? Uh, I think we've covered everything. Excellent. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite quite detailed. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, thank you ever so much, Oscar. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode of the Bike Creator Podcast. Uh, if you've got any questions or comments, um, we do have an email address, which is podcast at bikeradar.com. So feel free to drop us a line. Obviously, we run our tech Q&As on a monthly basis. So pop any tech questions down there and uh, we'll we'll have a little listen to those. Uh, and in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating if you've enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Oscar, and hope you all have a nice day. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.